0: Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host Greg shoots This is the first episode of the 2022 podcast series. Taking a look at the draft eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft, which isn't until April 2022, but it's never too early to start talking about the NFL draft. And I figured to kick off the 2022 podcast series, we'd actually put a bow on the 2021 NFL draft and I started something a couple of years ago. I call it the All Shoots team. Kind of a hiatus in 2020. I'm bringing it back, but the All Shoots team really doesn't have a nice ring to it. This is really Shoots' showcase, Greg's gamers. The guys I look at and say, you know what? These are the guys that I believe are going to make an impact at the next level at some point. My favorite players in this this draft in 2021. And I'll tell you what. I look back at some of the guys that did make the formerly known as all shoots team now known as Shoots the Showcase or Greg's Gamers. And that was Alan Lazar coming out of Iowa State. You know, this was a guy who, to me, I, I watched him play play against Big 12 defenses and just the size and, and his ability to go up and-, and attack the football in the air. Not the fastest guy by any means, but a guy who just uses that big body to his advantage, shielding the ball away from defenders. A- and he got he was undrafted, so he got picked up by the Jaguars as an undrafted free agent. And you know, you're looking at the Jaguars and their roster, they had a lot of receivers, so I didn't expect him to really be the guy there in Jacksonville, but obviously as we know, injuries hit Green Bay Packers, he's brought on uh, to the main roster, uh, onto the active uh, active squad, and what does he do? He balls out, a couple hundred yard receiving games there for Aaron Rodgers, and look, you know, he was a nice piece there with, with Devontae Adams. You know, they needed a slot receiver. They drafted Amari Rogers, but I think Alan Lazard has solidified himself as one of uh the, the top receivers there in Green Bay. And he was a guy that, to me, when I looked at him coming out of college, I said, this is going to be a guy who I think at some point is going to make an impact. So that's really what I'm looking for. All three days of of the draft, and we're even going to take a look at a couple of undrafted free agents as well, guys that I'm going to be targeting, saying these are guys to keep an eye out for. So without further ado, let's jump into the quarterback position first and foremost. And we know that Zach Wilson was one of my favorites. If you listen to the podcast, you know that this is a guy who just absolutely uh, set the world on fire there with BYU from the start of the season what he did against Navy BYU blowing out Navy really kind of set the tone for uh, Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars look you know, over 3,600 yards uh, passing 33 touchdowns just 3 interceptions 73.5% completion percentage a guy who had the arm strength pushing the football down the field really off platform was where he was at his best uh, you know we saw where he was rolling to his left making a throw to his right uh, you know at, at his pro day guy that with the ball placement down this field especially putting the ball where only his guy can get to it and there was really tight coverage as well just perfect passes Zach Wilson you look at what the Jets have done they built that offense around him giving him some playmakers Brought in Corey Davis. They've got Denzel Mims, who I think is a budding star. Jamison Crowder, the veteran there in the slot. Then they get that speedster. They get Elijah Moore in the draft. You'll be hearing more about him in just a little bit. Keelan Cole, a veteran there, presence as well. And then they bolster that running game with Michael Carter in the draft. You know, they picked up Tevin Coleman from San Francisco. And I really like what they've been doing. They also brought in Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard to play alongside Mekhi Becton and Morgan Moses. Uh, to play right tackle. They've got George Fant who can play inside and outside. Uh, Dan Feeney was brought in from the Chargers as well. So a lot to like with what the Jets are doing under first year head coach Robert Sala. And he brought in, you know, Mike LaFleur to be his West Coast uh, style offensive coordinator. I think it's a perfect fit for Zach Wilson. To me, he's a guy that I think is going to make an impact at the next level. Who else is on my list? How about starting at number three there with Trey Lance. to the san francisco 49ers i actually had this picked when the niners were sitting there at number 12. didn't think that they're going to go all the way up to three to get trey lance but he ended up being the guy look just one year at north dakota state really can't count 2020s just that single game against central arkansas but this is a guy 28 touchdowns zero interceptions 1100 yards on the ground as well He's a big kid, very strong arm, tremendously athletic. He's the new age quarterback. He really looks like a guy who could be the next Josh Allen. Uh, When you look at San Francisco and what they have around him, he's got a quarterback by the name of Jimmy Garoppolo that he can learn from for a couple of years before he steps into things, and I really think he needs that. I think he needs some of that additional development. Didn't really get that at at North Dakota State. Didn't get to have a couple of years under his belt, be a little bit more seasoned. Not many starts under his belt. But When you look at the offense, he's got a lot of Talented receivers. Uh, you know they brought in Mohamed Sanu to play with Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel. As long as they can stay healthy, he's got a nice tight end there in George Kittle. Um, running game, shoot, they've got five or six running backs you know they really have a stable running back by committee that offensive line is is back and intact uh, they actually bring in alex Mack from atlanta to play center so i really like what they've been doing there in san francisco and look you know he's got a got a head coach in, in kyle shanahan who you know understands your know, offenses you saw what he's done with, with with matt ryan you saw what he's you know what what he's done with with kirk cousins and really you know kyle shanahan he's a smart guy he's getting with the times he knows that the league is really moving to uh these athletic quarterbacks and you know i love the fit i love what's going to happen there give him a couple of years and then we'll be talking a lot more about trey lance and what he can do there in san francisco my last guy is going to be justin fields going to chicago and i'll tell you what when chicago drafted him at at number number 11 he didn't look very happy you, know, you can tell in his interview, he, he just didn't look happy. The look on his face, and for a second, I thought, well, maybe it was because he was going to Chicago, but he's really bought in and really has, has kind of adopted Chicago, and you can tell that the fans there love him. So really, I think it was the fact that it was the fourth quarterback taken, not even in the top 10, and I, I look at Chicago. He can learn from Andy Dalton. He can learn from Nick Foles, and you know, Alan Robinson, we know isn't going to be a long-term guy there, but I just I, I like that fit, I love Justin. Look, with Justin Fields, when you have a guy that's motivated with a chip on his shoulder, he's already shown that against Clemson. He had a terrible game against Clemson uh, a season prior, and and really when I say that, he did everything he could, laid it out on the field, uh, threw a couple of picks, and ultimately wound up losing that game comes back a year later, motivated. They had it up on the screen, the the score of that game, and he comes out and had his best game of the season. Really, the the part that worries me about Justin Fields was when the the lights were brightest, he struggled. He struggled against a lot of uh, ranked opponents. That's really where you saw a lot of his numbers start to drop because he was phenomenal against teams that you know, he was supposed to do well against, guys that were unranked and opponents that really struggled. And then when it came to stepping up, he wasn't able to do that. He proved that he could do that against Clemson and a highly motivated Justin Fields is a dangerous quarterback. I really like that fit. And uh, he's gonna learn from some, some veterans there, you know, the stopgap quarterbacks for him. And I, I just, I love that fit. Moving on to the running back position. If you listen to my podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of Najee Harris. Why? This guy's the most complete running back in this draft. Don't let anybody fool you with anybody else. Najee Harris can run through you. He can run by you. And ask Nick McLeod, he can jump over you as well. This guy has tremendous hands. You watch with the concentration, his ability to track the ball, soft hands, we saw that in the national title game, his ability to reach back with one hand and then secure it. And then the lateral agility is ability to put the foot in the ground there at the sideline and cut back inside, ultimately get a touchdown out of that. And then the pass protection. He understands where he needs to be. Understands that, hey, if I need to go across the formation to pick up a blitzing linebacker or up the middle to get a linebacker that's coming through the A-gap. He understands all of that. Very intelligent player. Look, Pittsburgh had to kick him out of the, off, out of the, the, the weight room because he was working out so much there he's the guy to me that is motivated a guy that's going to go in there and look Steelers it's all about blue collar right just really physical running game we saw them with Franco Harris Jerome Bettis even with Le'Veon Bell for a time and I think they're getting back to their roots and having Najee Harris that's the future of that offense I love 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 that pick there for Pittsburgh and I mean I mocked it as well you know him going 24 overall both of the Carolina running backs north carolina tar heels mac brown bringing in thunder and lightning he saw that when he was at texas going up against reggie bush and Lendell white at usc brings his own there to unc and uh, from la to chapel hill you've got javante williams and michael carter two guys that i'm looking at yes shoots a showcase absolutely why javante williams he's a bigger back than than michael carter and, and really what i love about him He's 5'10", 212 pounds, but he's solid. He welcomes contact. The contact balance is tremendous. Uh, You see the vision, his ability to make plays, not only in space, but find those holes and get to it in a hurry. Uh, I like the burst out of him. He has the speed to go the distance, and he's a pretty good receiver coming out of the backfield as well. And what I really like about him, you look at Denver right now. They've got Melvin Gordon. They've got, uh, you know, Royce Freeman. They don't have Philip Lindsay anymore. uh, No longer on the roster there. And really when I look at, uh, you know, Javante Williams, he's going to share the backfield with Melvin Gordon and that's okay with him. He can still do what he can do. Uh, You you saw that against Miami, even though Michael Carter had a 300 yard game, he still put up over 200 yards against the Hurricanes as well. So I I don't worry about him going to to Denver and not being able to showcase what he can do right off right off the bat. But I'll tell you what, Michael Carter going to the Jets in round four, the second pick in round number four. I had mocked Michael Carter going to the Jets for some time and kind of went away from that. And uh, it was more so just because the Jets, you're looking at the running back by committee. And I was thinking that maybe at some point they'll go ahead and get a running back, but I thought it might be you know, a little bit later in the draft. And I actually have Michael Carter going, higher, basically around higher in the draft. So, um, you know, I, I missed out on, on that opportunity. But when you look at the, the Jets and what they have, Michael Pirine, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, a lot of veterans, but a lot of guys that have kind of underachieved. Tevin Coleman had a couple of good years there with Atlanta, struggled in San Francisco, especially with the injuries. I look at Michael Carter and he's he's not not the biggest guy in the world. You know, we know that. He's 5'8", 201. You know, He's powerfully built, though. And you see that he's like a ping pong, uh, ping pong ball and uh, or a pinball if you will just bouncing off a contact just you know nobody can can catch this guy because he bounces off that contact that low center of gravity drops the hips the spin moves and then his ability the speed to go the distance he's an improving uh receiver needs to work on the route running a little bit but he's a guy that i i look at this team and he's a guy i think that can take a hold of that starting spot in new york and uh, you pair him up with zach wilson i'm really excited to see what can happen there for michael carter you move a little bit further down in round number four, another guy that I like is Juba Hubbard. You know, this was a guy who I, I, I think he bothered me a little bit with the way that, you know, that the feet were terrible, you know, I, I, and I, I thought that this was a guy who he really couldn't create coming off the line of scrimmage. You know, he's not going to really make you miss in the hole, uh, but what he does do, he excels in space and that's really where uh, I look at Joe Brady there in Carolina and he's backing up Christian McCaffrey and he's really going to be asked to make some of those plays on the outside. I think this is going to be a guy that's going to be catching the ball. He's going to get, you know, Joe Brady's going to get creative. And I look at a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, what he was able to do for him there at LSU. I think not only is Christian McCaffrey going to have a big year, but I'm expecting Cuba Hubbard to not only be the backup, he's going to secure that spot, but then he's also going to be a guy that's going to be making a lot of plays in space. Show off those hands. And if you can catch that football, he's going to end up making a nice impact there. I just, I just, I love that fit. Makes a lot of sense to me. Now, if we move later on into the draft, we go all the way down to round number seven, the 29th pick in round number seven, going to Green Bay, Kylan Hill. Now, what I love about Kylan Hill, and I'm kind of surprised that he fell as far as he did, um, but what I love about Kylan Hill is he's versatile. And what I mean by that is he was the bell cow for Mississippi State, Over 1,200 yards, led the SEC in rushing, and then he comes back. Mike Leach is now the head coach of the Bulldogs. Joe Moorhead's out. The the pirate, the, the mad pirate there, Mike Leach is in, and in three games, he had 23 receptions. So you definitely know that he can catch the football out of the backfield. He's one of the better pass protectors in this year's draft. I look at Green Bay, you've got Aaron Jones, you've got A.J. Dillon. They need a third running back now that Jamal Williams is gone. I think Kylan Hill's gonna end up being that guy. And even if he loses out to Dexter Williams or Patrick Taylor, I think somebody's gonna pick up Ky- uh, Kylan Hill. And I think he's gonna be a guy that ultimately is going to find not only a home, but a guy that's going to share a lot of the workload and be able to showcase his ability as a pass catcher as much as anything so moving on to the receivers and obviously when you talk about the wide receivers in this year's draft class you have to start with jamar chase six foot 201 and look everybody talked about how spectacular Devonte smith was right uh, coming out of alabama heisman trophy winner but look jamar chase was Devonte smith for Devonte smith was um, you know, 84 catches over 1,700 yards, 1,780 to be exact. 20, that's 21.2 yards per reception on 84 receptions. Incredible. And 20 touchdowns. He and Joe Burrow put on a show, you know, under Joe Brady. And look, they get to recreate that in Cincinnati. I love this fit. And honestly, for a while, I was looking at that and I was had Jamar Chase mocked going number five overall, ultimately changed up. went with panay Sewell, thinking well they got to protect joe burrow because of the knee but i should have known better because you also saw them trade for thaddeus moss who was his tight end at lsu they're surrounding him with a lot of familiar targets in that offense i'm looking forward to seeing what what jamar chase can do look this guy is physical he's gonna beat you up he's a bully out there not necessarily the fastest guy known for his speed but he still has that 4-4 capability not the best route runner but even still you know not like Justin Jefferson type uh, type route running but he's solid he's getting better and i think you're just going to see we're just scratching the surface of what Jamar Chase can do and look he sat out 2020 so really we want to see him hit the ground running in 2021 and he's got Joe Burrow as his as his quarterback so what can go wrong right uh, and moving on last pick uh in terms of the receivers in round number 1 27 overall going to Baltimore Rashad Bateman and look, I, I look at uh, the Ravens and I love what they did because they were dead last in passing in 2020. Miles Boykin did not take the step up that they were expecting. Yes, they drafted, I'm sorry, they, they signed Sammy Watkins in free agency. Sammy Watkins is basically that veteran that's going to help these younger guys with uh, with that next level, making that jump and really being the 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 talents that they are they've got hollywood brown already hollywood Brown's going to be your your speedster your your deep threat rashad bateman's the guy who's going to be that all-around receiver i ultimately expect him to end up taking over that starting spot for sammy watkins and look rashad bateman in 2019 was the big 10 wide receiver of the year over 1200 yards receiving and a guy who is so adept at that slant he's so good winning off the line with his footwork with the hand usage he wins with those slants and you just see him slant after slant after slant, but then he uses that and sets up the double moves. A lot of the sluggos, he's setting guys up, uh, the route running that you know, he, he's savvy there. And look, he actually was running, you know, sub 4'4". And for a guy his size, I'm really expecting him to do some big things there in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, six foot 190. Rashad Bateman. Love that pick. And I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit to round number four uh tylen wallace a lot of receivers taken ahead of this guy and i'm really surprised because this was a guy as a sophomore was a politnikov award finalist and just dominated the competition battled some knee injuries and i think that's ultimately why uh he did fall still had 900 yards while battling the knee injury in 20 uh 2019 2020 also, really getting back from that knee injury, suffered some uh, some other just nagging injuries. Still over 900 yards. But what I love about Tylen Wallace is, you know, he showcased his ability to. to run sub 4-4 at the Exos Combine, but it's the physicality. He loves contact. He plays so much bigger than his size. You'd be surprised that he's only 5'11", 194 pounds, but a guy who just loves to elevate, go up and over you, uh, a guy who he, he draws in that contact and then that late separation, his ability to jump back and high point the football Angling himself away from the from the DB. Love that pick for Baltimore. I look at Tylen at Wallace. He could end up being a number four receiver, ultimately fit in as that number three receiver once Sammy Watkins moves on. I mentioned Elijah Moore sitting there in round number two. Second pick of round number two. I actually had him going in the first round, so I was a little bit of a surprise that he fell. But look, Jets, they needed a guy, a speedster in the slot. Jamar, uh, I'm sorry, Jamison Crowder is more of a, a you know 4'6 guy, a guy who's going to be more of a possession receiver. Elijah Moore, 5'9, 178 pounds, over 1,100 yards receiving, eight touchdowns. In 2020, a Blitnickoff Award finalist, he's going to be a favorite target of Zach Wilson. Look, Zach Wilson loved to hit uh, Dax Milne, his his guy in the slot, a guy that could get vertical. um, And I I think a more explosive receiver like Elijah Moore is going to see that football coming from Zach Wilson uh, early and often for sure. Um, Deami Brown, 19th overall pick in uh, in the third round, going to Washington. The Washington football team did a great job here. He's 6'1", 189 pounds. And really what Washington was looking for, they needed to get a guy to pair up with Uh, with Terry McLaurin. And I I like what they did bringing in Curtis Samuel. I thought that was a great pickup there, but they needed another speedster to stretch the defense. Adam Humphreys is not going to be your answer. He's going to be more of a slot guy. Kelvin Harmon's battled injuries, but he's not a vertical threat. Antonio Gandy-Golden, if he's able to come back from his injuries, he's a big target. So you're not really expecting him to uh, be that guy that's going to stretch defenses. De'Ami Brown, if he can get those... uh, those hands under control. He had some untimely drops coming down the field. If he can shore that up, I love that pick. Uh, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't also speak to Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, towards the bottom of round number two, the 27th overall pick there in round number two. And Terrace Marshall, look, 6'3, 205, a guy who was a third receiver. Uh, for LSU under Joe Brady so there is some familiarity coming to Carolina reuniting with his offensive coordinator but what Terrace Marshall was able to do he still put up over, uh, over 700 yards receiving as the number 3 receiver behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and so when you look at him this year I'm sorry I was just under 700 yards he went over 700 yards this year didn't have the quarterback play that he did uh, obviously in 2019 but still ended up putting up double digit touchdowns for the second year in a row but what I mentioned about him being the number three receiver that's what he's going to be in Carolina possibly even the number four guy when you think about it, you've got Robbie Anderson and you've got DJ Moore catching passes from Sam Darnold and you've got a healthy Christian McCaffrey. I think this is going to be a great fit for Terrace Marshall and I think he's going to end up having a, um, you know, a nice rookie season being surrounded by all of those guys. I'm going to give you one last name and that's uh, Amon Ra St. Brown. So look, Amon Ra St. Brown, seventh, over, uh, seventh pick of the fourth round and Amon Ra St. Brown, look, you know, Speaks five languages, very intelligent player. You know, the the brother of of Equinemius, you know, Cyrus St. Brown uh, and his father, former Mr. Olympia. This is a guy who you know is going to be a workout warrior uh, in the weight room for days. But what I love about him is the savviness. He knows uh, where the holes are in the zone, understands the route running ability, and he's just so smooth, very, you know, deceptive speed. Uh, because, you know, he, he's just a smooth athlete, just a smooth player. And, and you know, he's going to, to Detroit. And Detroit, you look at Jared Goff, and you look at the relationship that he's had with, uh, you know, a guy by the name of Robert Woods, who's also a Trojan receiver. I think Amon Ross St. Brown can have that exact same chemistry. And uh, it, it's something to me It just makes a lot of sense. Six foot, 197, similar body type to, to Robert Woods. Uh, I love that fit there for Detroit. They get him in in, uh, in round number four. I thought that was a round later than he was actually going to come off the board. Um, so definitely good value there. Moving on to the tight ends. And look, come on. Kyle Pitts. This dude is an absolute freak of nature. I Would have loved to have seen him pair up with... Um, Julio Jones, but obviously that wasn't going to happen. So this is going to be a favorite target for sure of Matt Ryan. Look, 6'6, 245, guy that's running in the 4'4s. Four uh, you know, 43 receptions, 770 yards, nearly 18 yards per reception, and 12 touchdowns. Only played in eight games because of that concussion. You know, Lewis Seen, you know, as, as he was going up the seam, uh, took a huge hit there, uh, targeting penalty. And, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, look, he, he's got, you know, this seven foot wingspan just put the ball anywhere near this guy and he's going to haul it in. And when you watch him, you know he, he set up you know Kelvin Joseph one of the better corners in the draft, set him up uh, coming up the seam and really just made that, that subtle step, subtle move to the outside. And once he opened himself up just a little bit, took advantage of it, went vertical, and ran right by him for a touchdown. Love Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, I look at Pat Fryermuth going to the Steelers. I love that pick, number 23 overall in, in the second round. And look, Baby Gronk, a guy who's, uh, I think, a better blocker that people give him credit for, but a guy who also you know, is going to be a weapon up the seam and in the red zone. Um and two other guys to make mention of you know, I, I love Noah Gray you know, out of Duke going to KC. He's going to be the backup there for, uh, for Travis Kelsey. And what I like about him, Noah Gray's not the biggest guy. He's 6'4", 240 pounds, um, but he has tremendous hands, a guy who runs really well, and a guy who I think is, is ultimately, you know, he's going to benefit from playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think you're going to see a guy who's going to uh, be one of those fantasy sleepers. You know, when, when it's all said and done and then uh, the last tight end taken in round number five no less uh, a guy from the central missouri mules that's right central missouri mules you heard that correct zach davidson this is a six 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 seven tight end uh, who plays like a receiver runs really well has tremendous size um and he's a guy look you know he, he needs some polish obviously you know but he has really good speed um, you know, I, I think he runs, you know, runs away from defenders. You saw that on on tape, uh, but he, he's able to make the go up and, and make the contested catches, the 50-50 balls, and he's going to Minnesota now that Kyle Rudolph is gone. They need a second tight end to go with Irv Smith Jr. and I think Zad Davidson is going to be that guy. Look, this guy was also the backup punter uh, for the Mules, so you know, a guy who's not going to be much of a blocker right out of the gate so they're gonna have to work on that i think tyler is gonna be really the guy that's going to be more of the blocking tight end but this is gonna be a guy keep an eye out for zach davidson i'm a big fan moving on to the offensive line and panay sewell and rashawn slater two guys who we haven't seen play this decade think about that now granted they, they played in 2019 but still they haven't played this decade so with, with Panay Sewell there at Oregon, a guy who, look, Outland Trophy Award winner, I believe at 19, um, you know, only one sack given up in over 1,300 snaps. The guy who's so physical at the point of attack. I thought that Cincinnati could have used him either as a, as a tackle or a guard. Look, Braden Sheriff, he has a similar body type to the All-Pro guard coming out of Iowa. And, uh, you know, but Panay Sewell, I, I love the footwork, you know, overall. A guy who can get out of a stance, can get low, and then that kick slide phenomenal there are draft Knicks that are out there that really want to pull up some of the the reps where he does trip over his feet or ends up falling down but look this guy still even with the footwork only gave up one sack in over 1300 pass attempts and when I look at Sewell if he Paul you know just think about how how dominant he can be if we clean up a little bit of that footwork really love that he's going to be playing at right tackle opposite Taylor Decker I think Jared Goff should feel comfortable at least Uh, Playing in the pocket, I wouldn't you know worry about his uh, uh, you know, his starter uh, status there in Detroit. I think they're going to end up looking for a quarterback in uh, in next year's draft, but at least for now, Jared Goff's starting spot is safe. Now, when you look at Rashawn Slater, you know, this is a guy who again didn't play in 2020, but look, he basically had a mic drop after that game against Ohio State where he shut down Chase Young. You saw the fluidity with the way that he plays. You know, just tremendous technician. The hands to the inside, kick slide, and then his ability to to address that counter. You know, he, he has that power step back to the inside, inside, and he keeps those hands, the strikes, the hands and the feet matched, and you're really in unison. And what I love about Rashawn Slater is he has that five position versatility. The Chargers, to me, they've got their quarter their, their quarterbacks blindside protected. Justin Herbert's gonna love having Rashawn Slater playing there at left tackle. Now look, I, I look at Chicago. I knew that Charles, uh, predicted that Charles Leno would end up being a, a cap He's now in Washington and they needed a left tackle. And they went after Tevin Jenkins, who is, you know, I think the most physical offensive tackle in this year's draft, at least the guy that played in 2020. Uh, you know he's 6'6", 317 pounds people forget yes he played right tackle for Oklahoma State for the majority of his career but he was actually playing left tackle in 2020 when an injury forced him to move to the right side I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be very physical to get that running game going with uh, David Montgomery and uh, I think Justin Fields is going to have a guy that's going to be protecting his blind side for quite some time. Now I look at Liam Eichenberg, just three picks later, the 10th pick in the second round out of Notre Dame, one of the most consistent offensive tackles in 2020. I think he and Brady Christensen were the were two phenomenal tackles. You know, this is a guy, you know, didn't give up any sacks. You see the, the knee bend, natural knee bender, a guy who moves really well. But it's really the hands. He's known for his hands, the power in his hands, the striking ability, and his ability so consistent to get those hands, keep those hands inside. That's really what was key for him because those hands inside, he's keeping those there. He can keep himself square to that uh, uh, that, that rusher, so that even if they try a secondary move, even if the feet aren't necessarily there, those hands are inside, and he's able to recover very quickly. He's going to the Dolphins. You've got Austin Jackson at left tackle. You've got Liam, Burt, uh, Liam Eikenberg on the right side, and look, he's going to end up protecting Tua's blind side because remember Tua's a lefty. So I love this pick there for Miami in round number two. Uh, Dylan Raiden's going the 21st pick in round number two. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, hopefully, will finally get a right tackle to replace Jack Conklin. Uh, you know, I, I think Dylan Raiden's. He's, he's got the power. Uh, Especially in the running game, being able to just drive guys off the football, power drive blocker. But he has some athleticism. You know, I think he struggles a little bit with speed. But you know, he's going to be playing opposite Taylor Lewan. I know that they're going to want that physicality with that running game with with Derrick Henry. Love that pick. Love the fit. And then I look at Brady Christensen. I mentioned him earlier. Round number three, going to the Carolina Panthers. And look, Carolina has Cam Irving. That's probably going to start at left tackle, uh, but a guy who has that versatility to play guard or center. So ultimately, they can really work on on the the lower half for Brady Christensen. I think he's more of a finesse tackle, a guy who sets up really well, has these long arms, sits down. You extends those arms, hands inside, and able to really move with this man. Doesn't generate a ton of movement because of that lack of that lower body strength. I think you should get that short up a little bit. He's going to beat out Greg Little, you know, for that left tackle spot. If you move Cam Irving to the inside, I think he's the guy that's going to be playing there in Carolina for a long time. So that's really, you know, are my picks there for the offensive tackle position. If we move inside to guard, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. They're out of USC. 14th overall pick. Now when you think about Elijah Vera Tucker, AVT in 2019 was a left guard playing alongside Austin Jackson, who was the 18th overall pick in the 2020 draft. Now he was named the offensive lineman MVP, even with a guy who ended up going in the first round Uh, playing next to him now fast forward one season 2020 he's playing left tackle and I thought he more than held his own you know this is a guy who I think is is a very fluid mover he really only struggled with speed dealing with with Kayvon Thibodeau and I mean there's a reason why he's going to be a top three pick in this draft uh, the 2022 draft as we get into that talk you'll be hearing a lot about uh, Kayvon Thibodeau uh, but he's very smooth you know excellent feet you know, I, I like that pick. I think, you know, he really fits as a guard. He has that Pro Bowl caliber. You know, the Jets traded up to get him. And really, they're they're looking to protect Zach Wilson. I mean, look, you know, you've got Mekhi Becton, you've got AVT. They bring in Morgan Moses on the right side. I think George Fant's gonna end up playing right guard. They're doing all the right things there in uh, in New York. Love that pick. Uh, I also like Aaron Aaron Banks going to to San Francisco. You know, 16th pick in round number two. And what I love about this, you know, I actually had it mocked uh, coming off the board there in round number three. So it was a it was a round earlier. And look, you know, I, I know that Aaron Banks is not the most athletic guy. But I think I'm looking at that right guard position, Daniel Brunskill, I think he's going to end up beating him out and end up being that right guard uh, up front, opposite Lincoln Tomlinson. When you want to run the football, whether it's Raheem Mostert, Wayne Goleman, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jeffrey Wilson, it doesn't matter who's going to be running the football. You've got a guy who has tremendous power in the running game. Love that pick. You move on towards the end of day th- uh, day two, and you've got Ben Cleveland out of uh, going to Baltimore. Coming out of Georgia, really a mainstay on that offensive line, Fifty four, uh, playing 54 games there, started over half of those, 6'6", uh, 343 pounds. He's actually slimmed down a little bit. I think he's in the 330s now. Um, and when I look at him, you know, he, he screams power. Uh, but I think he has better athleticism than a lot of people give him credit for. When I mean, you look at Ben Cleveland, you know I, I, I he's going to be playing opposite Kevin Zeitler, and uh, he's going to force Bradley Bozeman uh, inside to center, which is where he played at Alabama. And I look at Ben Cleveland. Look, Baltimore is looking for the next Marshall Yanda, and Ben Cleveland might end up being that guy. This guy. You know he's he's completely country. Uh, you gotta love that uh, coming out of Georgia. He's really a character and uh, a guy who I think is going to fit in with what they want to do. Uh, you know, with that running game, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill and company running behind that offensive line. Ben Cleveland will fit in right right away. And then one last guy to mention, and that's got to be Quinn Miners. Uh, You know at least in terms of day two Quinn Miners 35th pick in round number three And what I love about the guy out of Wisconsin Whitewater is this dude is physical if you watch him play it doesn't take long to figure out who he is if you've never watched Wisconsin Whitewater you know he gets out and pulls and then just absolutely lights guys up you know his ability to locate and lock in on his target is is tremendous and I look at him they've got Lloyd Cushenberry at center Dalton Reisner at left guard I think those guys really have solidified themselves with Graham Glasgow playing that right guard position I think that's ultimately where Quinn Miners is going to fit in he's going to provide absolute you know perfect depth um, with his ability to play anywhere along the interior of that line but I think his home ultimately is going to end up being uh, next to Cushenberry there at right guard but a guy that I absolutely love and one guy for day three and that's going to be Trey Smith and this is a guy that you can really get behind and pull for after a freshman All-America season there at left tackle had the blood clots in his leg missed uh, that sophomore season Fought his way back, ended up starting in, inside a guard. You know, the footwork, he needs to work on that a little bit. But this is a guy who has tremendous power in his hands. A guy that's just going to lock on. And then look at Casey. they've got Joe Tooney, they've got Kyle Long. You know, Although Kyle, you know, is battling some injuries after, you know, coming back from retirement. They've got Lauren duverde Tarnif. Uh, you know, and, and Tardif, you know, was a guy who went to Canada where he's from and was a doctor dealing with COVID-19. So he's coming back. These guys aren't in uh, necessarily football shape, or at least we'll find out if they will be in in training camp. Um, I think Trey Smith might have a year or two to really work his way back as well. Uh, But he's definitely a guy in my eyes that as long as the health and the medicals check out, he'll be a guy that's going to end up starting in this league. Moving on to the pivot, the center position, and, and there are three guys at the top of this draft, and guys that I'm looking at saying, yeah, absolutely, they're going to be in the, you know, Greg's Gamers shoots a showcase, whatever you want to call it. And, and the first guy on the list is Landon Dickerson, there out of the Eagles, fifth pick in round number two. And look, the Remington Award winner, you know, this guy has a, a you know, tremendous personality, and he's playing with. with Jason Kelsey, who's going to end up being, you know, uh, you know, fringe Hall of Famer in my eyes, just with the way that he's been able to play there. And uh, I mean, he's he's one of the best characters. You know, I mean, if you remember the suit from uh, from the Super Bowl, I mean, good Lord. Uh, but I, I think, you know, this is going to be his final year. You know, he, He's got one year left on his contract. I, I think Landon Dickerson, uh, as long as the knee holds up. You know, that's really the biggest thing. You know, he's had multiple knee injuries. um, I think three or four now, um, you know, in terms of the the ACL tears. So, obviously, you will have multiple at Florida State that had that one again uh, for Bama uh, there towards the end of the season. And... uh, as long as he can stay healthy, he's got, you know, tremendous arm, you know, arm length, tremendous power in his hands, uh, better than average foot speed. Um, he'll, he'll fit in right away and take over that spot from Jason Kelsey. Um, but you know, he'll get to learn in that one season with, with, uh, big 62, Uh um, Towards the end of round number two, what was interesting? You have back-to-back centers taken off the board. Green Bay going with another Ohio State Buckeye. They lose Corey Lindsley. They bring in Josh Myers. And honestly, you know, you're replacing one Buckeye with another. Tremendous football IQ. Not the best athlete, but a guy who I think you know he was a mainstay there along the Buckeyes' offense. And you know, three-year starter. Uh, you know, a guy who plays with really good pad level. I thought. Um you know at times he did struggle you know and that's really where he got himself into trouble. He's a 6-5 center. So he, the pad level does creep up a little bit, but he's very nasty. Uh, a guy who's very powerful, has really uh, power in his hands and i think that's part of his game what really is able to neutralize the guy in front of him and really i think the chiefs got the best center in the draft sitting there with the 31st pick in round number two and that's the oklahoma sooner creed humphrey 6'4 302 and let's talk about what a special player creed humphrey is for a second um, i think orlando brown the left tackle there really Probably clamored for for Creed Humphrey coming to the Chiefs. And look, you know, as a, as a redshirt freshman, he's got four NFL linemen around him. You've got Orlando Brown at left tackle. You've got Cody Ford at right tackle. You've got Ben Powers on one at one guard position. You've got Drew Samia at the other. All four of them drafted and in the league, right? And so he's the redshirt freshman there at the center position. Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line. Joe Moore Award. If you're not familiar with it, it's got the biggest freaking trophy uh, and, and really you only have it for the one year that you are the uh, the champs and then that moves on to the next uh, university that has the, the top offensive line it's a, it's a pretty massive trophy but it, it, it's pretty cool uh, but with Humphrey comes back as a sophomore with four new offensive linemen first he gets to block for Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray they go to the playoffs then he's blocking for Jalen Hurts a second round pick Heisman runner up again go to the playoffs and then he's blocked for spencer rattler uh, as a junior and uh, just phenomenal athlete a guy who you know he was a, a former wrestler understands leverage um, plays with tremendous leverage and, and you know he just once he gets his hands on you it's all over you know he's got that wrestler mentality that mean streak um and i think he anchors well you see the change of direction they run a lot of that that, that guard tackle pull and you really see him being able to hold his ground, being able to get out in space and move as well. Uh, love Creed Humphrey. I think, you know, Austin Blythe, uh, your days are numbered as the starter there in Kansas City. I uh, know that you, you move there from the Rams, but uh, I think ultimately you're going to end up seeing your job taken there by Creed Humphrey, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Uh, moving on to the defensive side of the football. In Miami, sitting there with the first defensive end taken they stay in state really the guy doesn't have to move locker rooms you know stay in there in the hard rock stadium Jalen Phillips the most complete defensive end in this year's draft a guy who can rush with with speed off the edge a guy that can beat you on the inside and then he has the hand speed to power the bull rush you absolutely see that and when you look at Miami they needed guys coming off firing off the ball I think Phillips can be uh, you know An edge rusher with Andrew Van Ginkle. They've got Christian Wilkins. They've got Emmanuel Ogba. I think he'll fit right in as a day one starter Um, and and a guy that's going to bring pressure coming off the edge. The biggest thing, the biggest concern are just the injuries. This is a guy who battled uh, a wrist injury and really it was the concussions. Um, Went to UCLA, was the top draft, uh, the top recruit, and thought about retirement ultimately transferred to Miami and in his first year of really being healthy for the entire season, we just got to see exactly what he was able to do. You know, a guy that can run in the four fives and uh, has tremendous speed. You know, the biggest thing that he needs to work on is that running game that, that UNC had and just time and time again, Jalen Phillips got caught inside. He always wanted to take that inside rush and really it was an easy read for both Javonte Williams and Michael Carter to make. They'd see that and they bounce it to the outside, and uh, with him crashing down, there was nobody on the outside, and they were able to take off for big plays. Or maybe they just have to make one defender miss, and they were able to do that time and time again. He got himself into trouble. He's got to learn that. But a guy who I know is definitely going to be crashing off the edge early and often. I love what the Colts did. Um, you know, bringing in Quinny Pay and Deo Odengbo. Neither one of them were on my uh, my, my all shoots team. Uh, Greg's Gamers, the Shoots Showcase, whatever you want to call it. Um, But, you know, they needed to address that pass rush. You know, Danico Autry gone and Justin Houston gone. You know, you get a couple of guys, you know, Dangbo's coming off of that torn Achilles. Not really going to be expected to do a whole lot coming out. But I just like the fact that, um, you know, when you look at what Indy was was looking to do, you know, they needed to shore up that pass rush. And, uh, you know, I thought they were able to get that done. Um, so I thought that that was really a smart play, but the guy that I'm, I'm a big fan of actually was taken, uh, seven picks after Odangbo and that was Carlos Basham, you know, Boogie Basham, um, coming out of Wake Forest. He's a big dude and, uh, you know, 6'3", 274. I kind of likened him at first to AJ Epinesa and I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, this guy is way too explosive for that. He's got tremendous power, you know, a guy who's got a, you know, 400 pound bench press, you know, five, 600 pound squat. And a guy who just plays like a man possessed, coming off the edge. He also has tremendous power in his hands. Um, and look, you know, didn't have the best season in 2020, just four and a half tackles for loss. Uh, you know, but prior to that, had 29 tackles for loss in 2018 and 2019, and 14 and a half sacks. Uh, you know, a guy who you know has a nose for the football. Seven forced fumbles in his last two seasons for the Demon Deacons. I look at the Bills and what they want to do uh, up front. You know, they brought in AJ Epenesa a season ago. You know, it's more of a, a power guy, not going to be much of a speed rusher. Uh, you got Ed Oliver on the inside. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are both over the age of 30. They drafted Gregory Russo in round number one, and they get Carlos Boogie Basham. I love this pick. Uh, I, I think it's great value for them. And ultimately what you're talking about is a trio of, of uh, Epinesa, Rousseau, and Basham. And uh, I think Basham may end up being the best of the bunch. Round number three, Joseph Osai. Come on. The guy out of Texas, a guy who, you know, you look at his stats and, you know, you're like, all right, well, 15 tackles for loss five sacks but no this guy was living in opponent opponent's backfields you know and this is a guy you know he, he needs to do a better job timing the snap count to be perfectly honest with you this guy seemed to jump off sides all the time but a guy who just tremendous effort and uh tremendous speed coming off the edge he's a tremendous athlete a guy who played linebacker for a time also was an edge rusher there for for texas um but they need an edge rusher to to look, Hendrickson, 13 and a half sacks in New Orleans, but he was playing opposite Cam Jordan. Can he do it on his own? Probably not. But they bring in Joseph Oside. They've got Sam Hubbard there as well. Uh, I think that this was a tremendous pickup and a guy who I think is going to make an impact early there at the defensive end position. When you're talking about impact, there may not be a guy uh, in this draft who meant more to his defense in 2020 than Ronnie Perkins for OU. And when I say that, Number seven was suspended for five games uh, due to uh, the marijuana uh, test that, that he tested positive for in, in uh, prior to the Peach Bowl. He and his running back, Ramondre Stevenson, both sat out those five games. And, and look, this is a defense. They lost to K-State and Iowa State, and they just, they look lost. You know, this is a team, you know, Alex Rich, you know, shaking his head. I mean, they look like the defense under Mike Stoops. And then number seven shows up, and... It completely changes the game his energy the team, the team was feeding off of it you know this is a guy who had a relentless motor coming off the edge you saw that the power in his hands one of the more complete off, uh, pass rushers in this draft he's not the biggest guy and that's really the thing that i think may have, have caused him to fall just a little bit um he's 6'3 253 but you see the power in his hands he's very disruptive getting up the field very good shooting gaps uh, getting off blocks as well um, you know, just the speed and, and the closing speed. And but what I said about you know him rubbing off on his teammates. Suddenly, you saw you know four, five, six guys wearing crimson and cream flying around to the football. That endless motor, that disruptiveness, um, a guy who just wasn't going to give up on the play. You saw that in that defense suddenly when this guy took the field so when I look at this team and I look at what they're going to be doing obviously they brought in Matt Judon um, they've got Anthony Jennings there as a pass rusher as well uh, Kyle Van Noy was brought in they've got Chase Winovich so they've already got a lot of guys that can get after the passer but I think Ronnie Perkins is going to be someone who wants to get him out on the field give him his chance I think Ronnie Perkins is going to have a big year. Um, it's just a matter of when that's going to be, what, what year that, that will be. It's probably not going to be year one, uh, but give him a couple of years, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to uh, make some big plays. Uh, Tennessee, I love what they did in round four. Rashad Weaver. And Rashad Weaver, you know, everyone talks about Patrick Jones, and I like Jones going to Minnesota to pair up with Neil Hunter. But when I look at, at, uh, at Tennessee, They've got Danico Autry, they brought him in, they've got Je- uh, Jeffrey Simmons up front, but they need a guy who's really gonna be a threat rushing the passer. And what I love about Rashad Weaver is this is a guy tremendously productive and a guy that you know, that just doesn't quit. You know, a guy who battled some injuries, you know, that knee injury was really a big uh, big issue for him, 6'4", 259. And in uh, 2018, you know, he looked like he was primed for a breakout year, 14 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, four pass breakups, two forced fumbles. Uh, tears his ACL, and then comes back and in only nine games for Pitt, uh, you know, 14 tackles for loss, another seven and a half sacks, uh, a couple more pass breakups, three forced fumbles. Uh, a guy who I think, you know, I, I think he's going to be a better pro than he was a, a collegian. And uh, going to Tennessee, I think this is going to be the right fit. You know, this is, he can step in and, and potentially be a guy that can make an impact early. You know, I think Harold Landry struggled a little bit. They have got Bud Dupree uh, in there rushing the passer. I like Rashad Weaver coming in here. You know, I, I'd be curious to see if he can rush the passer with his, you know, uh, in, in a two-point stance. If he does, you know, Harold Landry, you know, your days as a starter may be be limited at that point. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, You know, if we want a couple of guys in round or in in day three to keep an eye on, how about 6'5", 260 pound Adetokounmpo Ogundeje, or you can just call him Ade Ogundeje. That'd be a lot easier for you. A team captain, a guy who works really hard as a pass rusher, um, a, a guy who's very physical, Um, A guy who forced six fumbles, you know, in his career there at at Notre Dame. This is a guy who I I think what was so impressive for me was playing the run. You watch this guy, a guy that was as big as he is uh, and the lateral agility to get outside and beat a running back to the edge. After he was inside, had to work off his block to the inside, get back outside and drop a guy for a loss. Tremendous lateral quickness. He's a guy, he's going to Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I think this is actually tremendous value for Atlanta at this point in the draft. And uh, I think Ogun Deje, look, you know, you've got Dante Fowler, you know, Fowler, we know you had the injury um, in the off season, you know, and uh, so Ogun Deje has a chance to start. And, and, you know, that's really, you know, maybe it's circumstance, you know, when you look at things, but I think he has a chance to start. And if he does, then, you know, he'll have a chance to really showcase what he can do and then the last guy that I'm gonna mention is a guy that you know people aren't really talking about he's a 34 D end and that's 64 uh, 301 pound Marquis Spencer coming out of Mississippi State um, you know, really good length you know this is a guy who's gonna to get to the quarterback um, you know rushing on you know, more so to the inside um, but a guy who I think can really hold his ground and, and be stout at the point of attack and uh, when I watched him play there for the Bulldogs, uh, a guy who just continued to to impress. Um, I watched him against LSU in that first game. He really beat up Austin Deculus, um, you know. But look, 23 tackles for loss, seven sacks. Um, like I said, he, he's really more of a 34 defensive end. So it's kind of unfair to put him in the in the conversation here with the DNs because uh, he really played more of a defensive tackle position uh, for Mississippi State. But a guy who I think has a chance there in Denver. Denver, you know, always on the lookout for some additional um, DNs in that 34 defense there that big Fangio runs. They've got Shelby Harris back. Uh, Draymond Jones is there, but I think this is a guy you know, in Marquis Spencer who can work his way into, it, not only into the rotation, but could challenge Jones for a starting spot when it's all said and done. Moving on to the defensive tackle position, there are a couple of guys that I like in this draft. One of them is obviously Aleem McNeil, tremendous athlete there coming out of NC State, 6'2", 317 pounds, and a guy who, just the athleticism, a guy who against Virginia drops back, uh, you know, had basically three guys blocking him, but able to elevate, get his hand in the air, tip the ball to himself, and then return the ball 18 yards for a touchdown. Um, you know, I look at them, they've got Michael Brockers, and then you've got Levi Amuzurike and Ali McNeil. I love, love, love what Brad Hopkins is doing with, with the Lions up front defensively. And Aline uh, McNeil is going to be a guy that I think is going to, you know, make some plays in opposing backfields. A guy that knows how to get after the quarterback and is stout against the run. There aren't too many guys in the league that are like that. And uh, that's why only McNeil was taken as high as he was. He was taken in round number three. This wasn't a really deep defensive tackle class. But look, 17 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks, five pass breakups, couple of forced fumbles in his career uh, for the Wolf Pack. He's the guy to keep an eye out for, as is Milton Williams. Physical freak, 6'3", 284, a guy that was running a sub-5, 440. Uh, you know, And... and I think it was four eight four. you know, when I think about it. But he's going to the Eagles. And let me tell you a little bit more about this guy. And again, 6'3", 284, uh, 19 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks in just three seasons at Louisiana Tech. And uh, just so explosive coming off the football. Uh, a guy who I think is going to be shooting gaps and getting into you know, the penetration. The guy that's going to play a lot like Geno Atkins at that three technique. And when you look at the Eagles... So here's where I think it's going to, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be challenging a Javon Hargrave uh, for a starting spot to play next to Fletcher Cox. You know, that's ultimately where I think he's going to try to shoot for. And uh, a guy who I actually thought was going to end up going to a team that runs a 34 defense because I think he'd be exceptional as a, as a D end. But I really like him shooting gaps um, as a pass rusher on the inside and a guy that I think can, you know, convert that speed to power. Tremendous upper body strength as well with him. So he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Day three, Bobby Brown the third going to the Rams. Love, love, love this pick as well. The Rams doing a tremendous job. They didn't have a first-round pick, but they had a tremendous draft. When you look at what they were, you know, obviously what they were looking for, they got to replace, uh, you know, Michael Brockers. I mean look at, you know, Bobby Brown, this is a guy, 6'4", 321 pounds, um, you know, and a guy who just has tremendous power. And you know, when you think about power, you think about Aaron Donald. I look at Bobby Brown and he, he might be backing up, you know, uh, Aaron Donald. But I could also see him challenging Ashawn Robinson opposite Donald. And then you've got Sebastian Joseph Day there at nose tackle. I think Greg Gaines is probably gonna be his backup, but you know, Bobby Brown, you know, look, he's six four, he's a little bit taller than you you know you might expect there at that nose. Um, but a guy who I think He has that tremendous power, like I said, and a guy who can definitely uh, drive his man into the backfield, be very disruptive coming off the football. And what you love is being able to, you know, jack that guy back and really have either the running back or the quarterback with no place to go. And that's really what he does very well. He has tremendously long arms, good burst coming off the ball, seven and a half tackles for loss of five and a half sacks in 2020 as a junior. Uh, I think he's a guy who's going to end up starting before it's all said and done there for the Rams. And uh, as we look further into the draft, two more guys that I've got to talk about. One, Davion Nixon going to Carolina in round five. Really a a huge surprise. I mean, if you watch this guy return a, a touch, you know, an interception for a touchdown against Penn State, the athleticism that you saw out of such a big man um, I'll tell you what, when I was watching uh, Iowa, I was trying to watch some other guys on that defense, and you know, you just kept seeing 54 flash time and time again. It was just a second season there at Iowa, uh, but really a guy that had that breakout season. 13 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, that 71 yard interception return for touchdown. He reminds me of Geno Atkins uh, because of that quickness coming off the football, 6'3", 313 pounds. Uh, and when you talk about Carolina up front, Again, I love what Matt Rule is doing. You know, uh, he addresses the the, the 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 defense last year uh, with Derek Brown and Eucher Gross-Matos. He he drafts J.C. Horn there at that at that cornerback position. Then he comes back. You know, he's got Bravion Roy playing opposite Derek Brown, and he brings in Davion Nixon as well. Um, you know, when you think about that, those are a couple of very athletic defensive tackles, uh, guys. You know that really they don't get enough credit for their athleticism. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that defense continue to grow, uh, especially with Brian Burns leading the way. Phil Snow has to be incredibly uh, feel incredibly lucky to have have a you know a front four that's really shaping up the way that it is. Green Bay in uh, round number five gets another one of my favorite players in uh, uh, up front, and that's Daryl Slayton, TD Slayton. You know, obviously you've got Kenny Clark playing at the nose tackle position. I would have loved to have seen Green Bay go after an end, you know, because TD Slayton's going to be that nose tackle. Maybe you take Kenny Clark. Maybe they're expecting him to move to, to a thirty-four DN, and they they play. Him and uh, and T.D. Slayton together. Because T.D. Slayton, let's not get in you know get in, mince words here. He's six four, three hundred thirty pounds. He's going to be that nose tackle, a very powerful run stopper, um, controls the middle of the line of scrimmage. You see him collapse the pocket as a pass rusher as well. Tremendous arm length. That's one of the things he can remain engaged and use that one uh, free arm to just bring a guy down. He has that tremendous strength to bring a guy down. Uh, Green Bay didn't do enough, I didn't think, in the draft up front, but I think adding T.D. Slayton at least is going to be a guy, you have to get your best players on the field, and I think he and Kenny Clark playing alongside one another at least will give them some power up front. So now we move to the the linebacker position, and I realized that this was a draft where I just loved a ton of linebackers. And obviously it starts, if we look at the inside first, Micah Parsons out of Dallas, um, you know, Penn State was lucky to have him for the couple of years that they did, sat out 2020. Uh, 20 ended up being the 12th overall pick. I thought there was a chance that Micah Parsons could go to, to uh, Denver, um, you know, and ultimately that didn't happen. Um, you know, there are a lot of other places that he could have gone. I thought the Giants, you know, there was an outside outside shot that uh, Micah Parsons was going to go there. But ultimately, when Micah Parsons was still on the board when Dallas was sitting there, 6'3", 245 pounds. You know, look, 109 tackles in um, 2019, uh, 14 tackles for loss, five sacks, five pass breakups, four forced fumbles um, in that season. And when you talk about him, a lot of the draft mix out there, we're just talking about him as mostly a pass rusher. This is a guy who did get lost at times in coverage, uh, but he was improving. Improving as a, as a guy that could drop a little bit. Um, I think initially what they're going to, what Dallas is going to do is they're going to ask him to, to get after the quarterback. They've got Kyle... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Leighton Vander Esch, and they have uh, you know Jalen Smith there at the linebacker position. But these guys, if I'm them, I'm worried about my job because you know Michael Parsons. Once he figures out being able to drop, he's going to be that three-down linebacker. He's so athletic, uh, a guy who's running you know for his size, running as fast as he does in the four fours. You know, it's, it's just freakish, and uh, a guy who I think is just going to be making plays there for Dallas. Tremendous. You know, I thought that was a home run hit. Um, you know, Washington at 19. I had this mocked for a long time. Um, ultimately, I went away from it because I was, you know, trying to figure out where uh, Zayvon Collins was going to go. But getting Jamon Davis, ultimately, I think Jamon Davis is going to end up playing uh, outside. Although I could see him moving into the middle if they decide to move on from John Bostic. Shoot, Cole Holcomb and the speed on the other side—he can end up moving inside uh, at linebacker as well, and I, I'd be okay with that as well. But look, Jamon Davis. Another guy who was a physical freak, just the athleticism, the 40-inch vertical leap, everything that you could say about him. 6'3", 234 pounds, over 100 tackles this past season, three interceptions, including a touchdown. That was against Tennessee, and you just saw the athleticism. He reaches behind him and tipped the ball to himself and then outrun uh, Tennessee's offense to the the house. And uh, I think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be starting right away and and a guy who's just gonna continue to get better in the league. Cleveland, man, Cleveland got a steal in uh, in the second round, uh, the 20th pick, J.O.K., Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, and look, you know, with Owusu-Koromoa, dude, this is a guy, you know, he, he is undersized, and I think that's why he fell to the second round, um, but the his award, well, you know, uh, award winner is just, you know, he's instinctive. He's fast, a guy who probably is going to play weak side linebacker. He's going to take over that job from Jacob Phillips, um, but he can pressure the quarterback. He can you know, dip that shoulder uh, and turn the corner in a hurry. What you also like about him, though, is that he can also split out and cover guys in the slot, covering receivers. You don't see that happen too often with linebackers. And when you talk about a guy like Isaiah Simmons, and you see some of these new age linebackers, Jeremiah Wusukoromo is exactly that. 6'2", 221 pounds, and a guy who's just gonna be flying around uh, there for Cleveland. Cleveland's defense just gets stronger and stronger, and I love that pickup. Um, you know, moving on to round number three, you've got Chas Siroc going to Minnesota. Um, you know, Minnesota. You know, this is a, a defense where there are some question marks. You know, what's going on with that defense? Eric Wilson um, signed in Philadelphia. Um, you know, really, you know, some question marks there with with that linebacking core. Eric Kendricks, some of the health there. Uh, Anthony Barr missed 14 games. Um, Really what's going to happen there with with Kendricks and Barr. uh, And then you've got Ryan Conley as well. I think Chaz Surratt is in a prime position uh, with that linebacking core to end up securing a a starting spot at some point uh, down the line. What you love about Chaz Surratt was, look, he was a quarterback there at UNC for his first couple of seasons and then decides After sophomore year, you know what, I'm going to play linebacker now. And what does he do? He goes out there, 115 tackles, 15 for loss, 6 sacks, an interception, a couple of pass breakups, and a forced fumble. Follows that up with 91 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, and 6 sacks through 11 games. A guy who just... He brings that quarterback mentality to the linebacker position, so he understands, reads deep, reads that offense, and understands where the football is going to go. And you see the decisiveness, you see the athleticism, and uh, another new age type linebacker. I think Minnesota hit a home run here with, with Chaz Sarat for sure. Um, I love Ernie, jo- or I'm sorry, Ernest Jones. Uh, going to, to the Rams out of South Carolina. 6'2, 230 pounds. A guy who is just, he, he takes great angles to the football. A, a guy who is such a, a sure tackler. Um, and really a guy who was a leader on the interior of that line, uh, that linebacking core for the Gamecocks. And the Rams are desperate for linebacking, you know, linebacking help. I thought there were some other guys that maybe they'd go for. Uh, really, I wanted to see them possibly go after Derek Barnes or Jabril Cox. Those were guys that ended up going uh, on day three of the draft. But look, Ernest Jones, he'll end up starting uh, when it's all said and done. Right now, Troy Reeder, Michael Kaiser on the inside of that, that linebacking core. Kenny Young as well. But I think Ernest Jones, when it's all said and done, is going to be one of those starters. Um, I mentioned Derek Barnes, another tremendous athlete, a guy that you know really put that on display um, at, at his workouts. Six foot, 238 pounds. What I love about Derek Derek Barnes is he's so versatile. You know, this is a guy who's playing outside linebacker and uh, has a pretty good year as a, as a sophomore. And. Um, you know, eight tackles for loss, three sacks, ends up moving to the defensive end, puts his hand in the dirt, 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, then he moves inside to middle linebacker and showcases, you know, some lateral agility, um, you know, sideline to sideline range, reading the quarterback's eyes, you know, was able to rush the quarterback, like I said, able to drop into coverage. You know the athleticism with this guy. Um, to me, when I look at Detroit, you know they've had some question marks with that linebacking core, especially you know Jer- uh, Jared Davis. He's gone now. You've got Jelani Tavai. There are question marks about him when he as a second round pick. Um, you know Derek Barnes could play on the outside opposite Jamie Collins because uh, you've got Jalen Reeves uh, Reeves Maven there. Um, you know, he could end up taking over for Jelani Tavai. Um, but I, I think Derek Barnes, you know, wearing number 55 there in Detroit, uh, I think Lions fans are going to love watching that guy play. And then one final guy on my list is Jabril Cox out of LSU. Look, three years at North Dakota State, was a winner there. I think it was like 45-1 and one or something ridiculous like that. Six, 6'3", 232 pounds, he's a 100 tackle guy there, but a guy who just knows how, has a nose for the end zone. Had a couple of uh, picks for for score uh, for the Bison, comes to LSU and what does he do? His very first game against Mississippi State, a game where LSU's defense was torched. This dude ends up picking off KJ Costello and returns it for a touchdown. Ended up with three total interceptions, 58 tackles, six and a half going for loss, and a sack on the year, five pass breakups. Rangey, a guy who has that sideline to sideline, ability can really the man-to-man and yes there is some pass rush ability but the man-to-man ability and that sideline to sideline another guy who's that new age inside linebacker he's going to be a lot of fun to watch he's going to Dallas and honestly you look at Leighton Van Der Esch, you look at Jalen Smith honestly what you're going to see is Micah Parsons and, uh, and Jabril Cox outshine that duo for sure moving to the outside linebacker position again I mentioned there are a lot of guys to like one of really my favorite player in the entire draft was zavin collins now obviously i think someone in arizona is going to have to help him learn how to uh how to drive you know and, and really let's you know that was a rookie mistake ended up getting arrested for for reckless driving um let's, let's keep a handle on things young man you know it, look you know it's the first chance at the at the big life you know this is a kid out of hominy high school in, in oklahoma a small town moves on, on to tulsa Now he's going to Arizona. He's in the big city. Um, You know, let's give him a pass for now, Uh, 6'5", 259 pounds. Look, you know, the Bednarik award winner, Nagurski, uh, he was just a big play waiting to happen. And look, if you just think that 2020 was where he burst onto the scene. No, as a true freshman, 85 tackles, nine and a half going for loss. Follows that up in 2019, 97 tackles, eight going for loss and a couple of sacks. But in 2020, in eight games, this dude was all over the field, 54 tackles, and really he was playing that sideline to sideline ability, seven and a half going for loss and four sacks. But at 6'4", 260, this was a guy who was had the speed, the sideline to sideline ability, a guy that was able to go you know, across the formation and chase down a running back for little to no gain, a guy that could get outside and beat running backs to the edge. Then he had the four interceptions. You know, and that was the thing that, you know, it's like, what else can this guy do? You know, he was rushing the quarterback. He's making plays behind the line of scrimmage against the run. And then, the inter- you know, the interceptions. He's dropping into coverage when they needed a big play. When the Golden Hurricane needed a big play, it came from Zayvon Collins. Two of those interceptions going for touchdown, including a 96-yard walk-off interception in overtime against the two-lane Green Wave. You know, th- this is a guy, look, eight pass breakups as well, three forced fumbles in, in his career. And when I look at David Collins, he just screams big play. He, he just screams a guy that's uh, the athleticism for days. And you pair him up with Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I thought Carolina, I'm sorry, I thought uh, the Cardinals were going to go with a corner uh, to replace Patrick Peterson. But uh, ultimately they go with uh, Collins. And you've got Collins and uh, Isaiah Simmons. I think people will forget about Hassan Reddick there in Arizona. Um, when you've got a guy like Zayvon Collins running around on the the inside of that that linebacking core, but he and Isaiah Simmons are going to wreak a lot of havoc. And uh, as long as he continues to you know, just keep keep that nose clean, not get into any trouble, um, I think Zayvon Collins, Carolina, I'm sorry, Arizona is going to love this guy there at 16 overall. Um, moving on to day two, 42nd pick in round number three it is Baron Browning there out of Ohio State. And look, number five you know, when he stays healthy, that's really the biggest concern that you have for him. But he's 6'3", 245 pounds, tremendous size, uh, length, good speed, a guy that uh, has tremendous motor, does a great job You know, against both the run and and uh, you know, rushing the passer, uh, very instinctive. Look, the thing that was great about Ohio State was they were able to take Baron Browning and Pete Werner and put them out on tight ends, receivers, running backs, and uh, so they didn't have to necessarily go out of their base uh, defense because of these guys and he's, he can get after the quarterback does a really good job dipping his shoulder and getting around the edge you know, he struggles a little bit in coverage but when I look at Denver they needed to up the athleticism there up front um, you know, and then on the interior of that, that, that line or on that linebacking core Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell both free agents at the end of the season I'm looking at Justin Sternod and, and Baron Browning as the future starters for Vic Fangio Chris Rumpf out of Duke going to the Chargers, and uh, I love this pick because, look, Chris Rumpf, a guy who is undersized, you know, we can absolutely agree with that, um, You know, he's 6'3", 244 pounds now, but he was playing probably 20 pounds lighter um, there at Duke, so I, I like the fact that he has bulked up. That was one of the things that, that Brian Burns did. Florida State, he only playing at 235. He's bulked up quite a bit and made a huge difference. I like the fact that Chris Ruff has put on some weight, but look, he's gotten better and better as a pass rusher in each you know, each of his three seasons there at uh, at Duke um, with the Blue Devils. You know, three three sacks as a freshman, six and a half as a, as a sophomore, and then eight as a junior. 33 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks. Uh, a, a guy who just has tremendous athleticism, the burst coming off the edge, Definitely an off-ball linebacker. Um, I think he's going to show himself. You know, just the flashes. Obviously, with that closing speed, um, he's a guy who's going to chase down run uh, run blockers. I'm sorry, uh, running backs. He's going to beat blocks and shoot into the backfield. You know, look. You know, the, the Chargers. They don't have uh, Melvin Ingram on the roster. So they've got to find pass rushing help. They've got obviously Joey Bosa, uh, Mucena Nuosu there at at, uh, at linebacker. They've got you know uh, Kenneth Murray, uh, Drew Tranquil, Kaiser White. But you know they they lack you know, a, a true pass rusher to, to team with Joey Bosa, and I think Chris Rumpf is gonna be able to bring that. Um, I, I like the, the the fit, and I just like him as, a, as an athlete. And then one final guy that I have to give a shout out to is Chris Garrett out of uh, out of Concordia St. Paul. He's 6'4", 250 pounds, 30 sacks over the last two seasons. When you think about that, um, you know, just beast, you know, 15 you know, forced fumbles as well. Only got to play in three seasons because obviously due to COVID, um, but a guy who's just a, a tremendous pass rusher and look, to get him in the seventh round, I wasn't sure if he was going to get drafted. I was thinking he might be a uh, an under after free agent, but I'm glad he was drafted because I think he's not only going to make the team, but I think he has a chance to really see a lot of playing time. You know, they've got Leonard Floyd at one linebacker spot there with the Rams, but uh, you know they've got Ovo Okorokwo, uh, Terrell Lewis, you know guys that, that have kind of underachieved a little bit. You know, Justin Lawler's there. Um, I think Chris Garrett has a chance to make an impact for the Rams, and uh, I think they they should be happy that they landed him in round number seven. So now we're making it all, all the way to the secondary, and we, we're almost done uh, with this... 2021 uh, all shoots team the the shoots to showcase Greg's gamers whatever you want to call it we're going to go to the corners we're going to take a look at the Carolina Panthers and JC Horn to me JC Horn is the top corner in this draft class a lot of people talked about Pat Sertan a lot of people talked about Caleb Farley, but to me it's JC Horn you've got Dante Jackson there at one corner position AJ Bouye is going to be your your slot corner uh, and JC Horn on the opposite side JC Horn he's big he's physical a guy that uh, you know just love to to get his hands on on the receiver and uh, blanket coverage a guy that you can play really out on an island and when you figure you've got that pass rush that you've got and, and that physical front you need to have guys on the back end that can really lock lock down uh, some receivers, and Jason Horn's going to be able to do that. 23 pass breakups and a couple of picks in his three seasons there for the Gamecocks. I think Jason Horn has Pro Bowl potential, as does Greg Newsome II. Um, you know, notice I passed over Pat, Pat Sertan and, and Caleb Farley. I think Greg Greg Newsom uh, at 26 overall going to, to Cleveland is a tremendous pickup. You know? And why? When you look at Cleveland, you know obviously they have Denzel Ward, who's one of the best corners in the game. You look at the opposite side, and uh, you know you've got Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams has struggled. You know he's battled some injuries, and uh, he hasn't been as polished as he was when, when he was at LSU. So when you look at greedy, um, you know you've got Troy Smith or Troy Hill at nickel, MJ Stewart on the roster, but you really needed a guy that could be on the outside and pair up with Denzel Ward, especially when you're going to be dealing with a team like KC. You know, when you're dealing with Patrick Mahomes, you need to be able to cover multiple wideouts uh, more often than not. And so when you've got uh, Denzel Ward, you've got Greedy Williams, and you've got Greg Newsom, I think they, they really have started to build that secondary. And Cleveland really smart with what they've done. Um, so I love that pick. I love Greg Newsom there. You know, a guy there at, uh, at Northwestern who just continued to make plays. A guy that, you know, what I've noticed every time I watched him on the deep balls uh, out on that island, that looking lean. He really shortened the the, the field for that receiver to make a play. They pinned him against the sideline a lot of times. And uh, look, 20 pass breakups, only the one interception in 2020, but just a, a very savvy, very smooth corner. And I love that pick a lot. We move to day two. Dallas, I know they wanted to get Pat Sertan. They ended up not getting him there in round number one, but look, I I think they're actually better for it because they not only get uh, Micah Parsons, but then they get Kelvin Joseph. Uh, Kelvin Joseph is a guy, look, as a a redshirt sophomore, led the SEC in interceptions this past season with four, 5'11", 197 pounds. Um, He's an explosive athlete. Um, You know, a guy who I think is is very versatile, a guy that can play um, on the line. He can play off off ball, um, tremendous uh, top end speed as well. Um, a guy who look you know he, he's gonna you know not afraid to come up and hit you as well. And when you look at Dallas, they needed to get a guy opposite Travon Diggs and I think Kelvin Joseph is gonna be that guy. Um, I, I look at that that lineup and I really don't see anybody that you know is gonna challenge him for that other starting spot. So I love the pick there for Dallas there uh, in, in round number two. The Chargers, the same deal. They get Asante Samuel Jr. I mean you know, at the top of the draft with the cornerback position, you've got J.C. Horn, the son of Joe Horn, and really the bloodlines continue with Asante Samuel Jr. His dad, obviously, uh, you know, played in the league for a long time. When you look what the Chargers, you know, the, the Chargers lost Casey Hayward. They, they Well, they didn't lose him. They, they let him go. Um, But the Chargers, they needed another corner. They've got you know Michael Davis was re-signed. They've got Chris Harris to play the nickel. Asante Samuel can be a nickel. He can be uh, you know he can also play on the outside. Didn't have any interceptions until this this past season. Had two in one game and three overall. And uh, a guy who's just he's incredibly smart. You see that football IQ coming from his his father, and that's really what I love about Horn Newsom and uh, and Samuel is the football IQ. You see it. It just jumps off. Off, uh, off the game film, and with uh, Asante Samuel Jr. 29 pass breakups. You see him just a nose for the football. It's a surprise that he didn't have more picks, just with that that ability to, to get after the football. I brought a guy by the name of Benjamin Saint Just, the Canadian, eh? going to, to Washington. And what I love about Saint Just, you know, that I don't think people really give him credit for. I mean, he's just he's a big guy. He's tremendously athletic, and um, you know he. He was playing for Minnesota, so not not a lot of people really you know, took took him seriously. He was six foot two oh two, but had ten pass breakups there in 2019. Only played in five games in 2020. Battled some injuries, um, and ultimately decided he, he'd get ready for the you know, for the draft. Um, but when I look at him and I look at where he's going with Washington, Washington needed to get another corner. I thought that that was evident. And, and when you look at Benjamin Saint Just, I think he's ultimately you've got William Jackson. Uh, The third, you've got Kendall Fuller, Jimmy Moreland. I think Benjamin St. Just is going to move in there as a starter. Uh, Kendall Fuller will move to the nickel and then Jimmy Moreland will kind of be, you know, the first guy off the bench, really solidifies that uh, that depth there along that position. And then staying in round number three, uh, a guy who's arguably the best pure nickel in the draft is Elijah Molden going to Tennessee. Out of Washington, this guy's a ball hawk, just a nose for the football everywhere you look number three was making a play and uh you know when you look at elijah molden could he play safety possibly play you know next to kevin byard but i think ultimately he's going to take over that nickel spot from breon borders you know know, you've got janoris jenkins there you've got caleb farley now keep an eye out for elijah molden there playing the nickel i think that'd be a a, a tremendous fit um you know Zach mcpherson going to, to philly Um, you know, coming out of Texas Tech 5'11", 191 pounds, he's instinctive, excellent body control, Uh, a guy who, you know, attacks the football really well in the air. Um, you know, started at Penn State, went to, ten, uh, to Texas Tech, and he's one of those guys that just continued to flash in the, in the Red Raider uh, secondary. And uh, you know, he, he's not the biggest guy. I was expecting Philly to go with a bigger corner, but still he's bigger than the 5'9", Avante Maddox, uh, who's playing opposite Darius Slay. I think uh, McPherson has a great chance to end up starting, uh, which would then move Avante Maddox uh, over to the nickel. I think that's probably what would be the best case scenario for the Eagles. Uh, so those are my corners. One last guy to talk about, and it's more so just because of what he's able to do in the return game, and that's Avery Williams. He's 5'9", 195 pounds, 39th pick of the fifth round, and he's going to Atlanta. And uh, Atlanta, you know, sure, they, they could use a corner. Um, you know, when you look at the cornerback position, they've got Kendall Sheffield, they've got Isaiah Oliver. Um, they drafted Darren Hall in the draft from, from San Diego State. But what I love about Avery Williams, he's going to take over that, that punt and kick return ability and a guy who just flat out flies, you know, and so I don't know what the, what the future holds for the return game in the pro, in the pro game, you know, really what that's going to be looking like, but this is a guy who had nine total kicks return for touchdown, six punt return, three kickoff return. Um, you know, a guy who averaged 11.6 yards per punt return and 27.4 yards per kick return. Absolute beast there for Boise State. So Atlanta getting a guy who can get it done. You know, granted, you know, we have to hope that uh, the return game you will know, we'll still be able to see some semblance of, of what we see now. Um, you know, that really could potentially impact uh, his impact there at the next level. Moving on to the safety position. And, and look. Um, you know, Javon Holland going to the Dolphins. This um, is a versatile guy. You know, he's 6'1", 207. Um, very instinctive. I think he does a great job lining up over the slot. A guy that could be a nickel um, if you wanted him to. He could also be a center fielder as well. Definitely a playmaker. Uh, excellent ball skills. Does a great job, you know, with the ball in his hand as a punt returner as well. Um, when you look at him with the Dolphins, the um, you know, Dolphins are going to need some help there in the slot a little bit. You know, a guy that's going to have decent range, and I think, you know, Holland is going to be able to do that. Nine interceptions over the last two seasons, you know, there for Oregon. He did sit out 2020, uh, but a guy to really keep an eye on. Richie Grant, you know, um, eighth pick in round number two. What I love about Richie Grant, look, he's, he was finally the Jim Thorpe Award finalist and uh, I'm glad that he was. When I look at him, I think he's ended up starting next to Eric Harris there in that secondary in Atlanta. Um, But Richie Grant, um, the ball skills, obviously, you know, something that just jumped off the film early on in his his career. Um, Six interceptions in 2018 to go along with 108 tackles. Um, I think the pressure was really on in 2019 and, uh, you know, he only had one pick Uh, only 78 tackles 8 pass breakups um, but then he he really turned it on in 2020 72 tackles, 3.5 going for loss had a sack, 3 interceptions, 5 pass breakups a couple of forced fumbles he was all over the field just filled up the stat sheet and uh, a very sure tackler in the open field Uh, another guy who's tremendously instinctive um, just a playmaker He tracks the ball well, a guy that's going to wrap up well, he's tough and run support, he's going to come up and hit you in the mouth, and a guy who I think is just going to be a, a solid safety for a long time. Um, which leads us to the Jim Thorpe Award winner—a surprise that he fell this far into round two. I thought the Raiders could take him there in round one. He falls to round two for the Raiders. Trevon Merrick out a TCU, six-one, two-zero-two. And look, Trevon Merrick, there's there's a reason why he won the Jim Thorpe Award. He was the most consistent and, and the best playmaking uh, safety, and really, you know, in the secondary in, in 2020, um, had. A couple of picks, nine pass breakups, a a guy who just seemed to be all over the field. Look, you know, I I think 2020 was kind of the body of work, really looking at 2019 as well, because he had four interceptions, 11 pass breakups, and that's really where he made his name. But a guy who um, was left on the island a lot of times working against slot receivers. He's a playmaker, uh, a a guy who uh, does a great job attacking the football in the air. Um, and, And look, you know, the Raiders needed a safety. And that's really what I had him mocked, you know, to to take on that spot there next to Jonathan Abram. And uh, yes, they brought in Carl Joseph back to the Raiders. uh, But look, you know, when you've got a guy who's got 19 pass breakups, instinctive, excellent range, a guy that can play over the top, that can play in the box, a guy that can cover the slot, you get him and and he's going to end up starting there for the Raiders for a long time. Just feels like a Mike Mayock type guy. Uh, Top of round three, get Andre Sisco. This is a dude who gave up eight touchdowns in his career. Uh, so obviously that's the big concern, but look—he's the riverboat gambler out there on, on, on an island. He's 6'1", 216 pounds. Uh, Andre Cisco, uh, seven interceptions as a, as a true freshman. Uh, ended up with thirteen in his career. Fourteen pass breakups. If you recall, after two games, he was there in gosh his pre-c- or pre-game warm-ups and one of his players ran into him ends up tearing his ACL out for the year but I know that that Urban Meyer was looking for a playmaker I had him mocked at Jacksonville for a long time in uh in round two and I was really kicking myself uh from moving away from it because he just feel felt like a guy that Urban Meyer would target and when I look at him, you know, you've got Andrew Wingard and Rudy Ford right now as the starters penciled in there at safety. I think Cisco is going to take one of those spots in, in training camp. I really do. Just, you know, the, the ball, the, the playmaking ability out there on, on an island. Um, I really like that. Um, the Raiders with two more picks. Um, Next two safeties off the board, a couple of guys that I really like as well. Divine Diablo, uh, 6'3", 226 pounds, out of Virginia Tech. And look, this is a guy, he's a safety. He showed his ability to cover tight ends. Um, Really good job, you know, breaking breaking ball on the football. Um, Takes good angles as well. Um, Big hitter. Um, Very instinctive. I look at him, I think he'll end up being a linebacker. You know, I think he's somebody who could end up being a safety. They've got a lot of safeties on the roster already. Um, you know, but when I look at that linebacking core, I just think of, of Vegas and the Raiders. You know, I I think this is a guy that's going to end up being that hybrid and probably end up playing both positions. Uh, But, you know, Nicholas Morrow getting after the quarterback a little bit. I look at Corey Littleton, uh, who struggled. I think he'll do a little bit better in uh, Gus Bradley's cover three defense. But I think Divine Diablo is going to be breathing down his neck as a potential new age linebacker, kind of sliding in a little bit there. Um, You know, Tyree Gillespie. And in round number four, another guy who, you know, look, this dude packs a punch. He's a, you know, he's six foot 207. He's gonna light you up. And the thing that I like about Tyree Gillespie is, you know, I thought he did a good job against, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts in the passing game. Also did a good job coming up in run support, taking on Najee Harris in the running game. So when I look at uh, Tyree Gillespie, you know he's that number three he'll be battling Carl Joseph to be that number three safety on that roster um, and ultimately I think Tyree Gillespie may have to move on from the Raiders um, to really make an impact but definitely a guy that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of um, if you move on to uh, round number five Jamar Johnson going to to Denver six foot 205 I thought this was gonna be a guy that was going to come off the board in round number three tremendous range uh, very versatile, you know, a guy that can be the center fielder, uh, very fast, closes in a hurry, a guy who uh, you know, the instincts jump off the board, had four interceptions in 2020, and uh, two of those were against Justin Fields. And you know, when you watch, it just seemed like Jamar Johnson was all around the football. He was six foot, two oh five. Uh, eight tackles for loss, four sacks, seven interceptions, including four this past season. Um, so nose for the football. Um, is a playmaker. He tracks the ball. He reads the quarterback, um, and just you know just makes plays, and you love that. And uh, one final guy that I want to talk about uh, in this safety class, and that's Talanoa Hufanga at USC. Another fifth rounder, six foot, one hundred ninety nine pounds. And this dude plays with his hair on fire. Seemed like number 15 was around the football at all times. He was a heat-seeking missile, a guy that really played with a reckless abandon, uh, played with his hair on fire, and just really no regard for his body. In in his first two seasons there with the Trojans, this guy um, just seemed to always end up getting injured. Um, You know, he took tremendous angles to the football, um, excellent in the open field, he has a wrap-up tackler, um, just so active he ran the alley could beat guys to the outside and uh but the problem was you know he, he led with the shoulder a lot of times and would mess up one shoulder then he'd overcompensate and hurt the other shoulder and uh you know he needed to take care of himself and really what you saw in uh, in 2020 was him putting it all together much more under control much more um you know, just a, really understood his role and how important he was. He was a team captain. You know, a guy you know, had four interceptions. Really added that to his arsenal. Um, you know, he had a, a play where he tipped the football to himself uh, against Utah and took off for a 27-yard run out at the three-yard line, set up first and goal for the Trojans against the Utes. Tremendous play that really changed the whole complexion of the game. And uh, a guy who can also get after the quarterback. You know, six and a half. Uh, Sachs, a guy who can bend a little bit coming off the edge, shoots gaps really well, times his blitzes. Um, he's definitely tight in, in coverage, and that's really not his game. You know, this is a guy that's going to play around the line of scrimmage. I think he's going to be a tremendous special teams guy, but don't count him out. I mean, he's a guy that just flies around to the football and, and makes plays. So he's a guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and I said there was one final guy, but James Wiggins... Going to the to the Arizona Cardinals there at number 16 in, in round number seven, I love James Wiggins because he's a playmaker, he's instinctive, yeah, and what I love is he came back, you know, he, he tore his knee, and while he was recovering, you know, ends up uh, injuring himself again, and he still ended up fighting himself back, able to run in the four fours, to four fives um, at, at his pro day, very explosive. It's just a matter of staying healthy. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll have a role at the next level. And uh, going to Arizona, is he going to have a shot there? I'm, you know, obviously you've got Buddha Baker, and, and you know that Buddha going to have one of those spots locked down. But you've got Charles Washington, Deontay Thompson. Um, I think James Wiggins, if he can stay healthy, you know he can play a strong safety. You know, I, I really believe that. Um, it's just a matter if he stays healthy. Um, that's going to be his, his spot. But that's why he fell all the way to round seven. I thought maybe he could sneak back up into, into day two. I actually had him come on off the board, I believe, in the third or fourth round um, just because of the way that he fought himself back from injury. But I get why he fell to round seven. He's just a guy that you're going to have to keep an eye out for. I promise you. you know, he's a guy that, if he can stay healthy, can make a, uh, an impact at the next level. So I mentioned that there were going to be a couple of uh, undrafted free agents that I wanted to talk about and obviously one of those is going to be at running back Jarrett Patterson, going to Washington. Now Jarrett Patterson, this is a guy, look, over nearly 2,000 yards as a sophomore, goes over 1,000 yards for all three seasons at Buffalo. Uh, And look, in 2020, all the guy did was rush for over 400 yards in one game, eight touchdowns in another, Um, just an absolute workhorse. Not the, not the guy who's going to be a burner by any means, but he plays with that low center of gravity and you love the jump cut ability, make you miss in the hole and a guy who has a good burst, not a great burst, but has a good enough burst and uh, the contact balance, he's going to bounce off you and you uh, know he's a very patient runner, no, no real wasted movement with him as well, um, I, I'm a big fan of his. And uh, looking at Washington, they've got Antonio Gibson, they've got JD McKissick, two guys that played receiver in college. Really, you know, it feels almost like Ty Montgomery playing running back. You know, I think Jared Patterson has a chance to sneak in there and take away some of those reps. And ultimately, um, you know, I, I think he can be a guy that can end up uh, being the starter there in Washington when it's all said and done. Um, so he'll be definitely a guy to, to keep an eye out for for sure. Um, as we continue to move along and we look at some of these guys, uh, Kenny Yeboah, the tight end there out of, uh, out of Ole Miss. I'm a big fan of his just because he's he's such an athletic tight end. And we know that the game, you know, you're know, you looking for guys who can stretch the defense, guys that can get up the slot in a hurry. And what I love about Kenny Yeboah, um, you know, really Lane Kiffin loved having this guy in his offense, coming from Temple, 6'4", 240 pounds. Um, you know, 19.4 yards per reception, six touchdowns in 2020. Um, you know, a guy that definitely was a guy, you know, was someone who could be a threat coming up the seam. And uh, you know, with Yaboa, you look at where he's gone. He's going to the Jets, and I think this is the perfect situation for him. You've got uh, Chris Herndon, who's going to be the starter there for uh, for the Jets at the tight end spot. Um, You've got Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, not the most athletic tight ends. So if you want to have that weapon up the seam, give Zach Wilson another guy to throw to, I think Kenny yaboa that's a nice pick, and it it makes a lot of sense there for me. Um, Continuing to look through the the class, guys that that could potentially make an impact. Um, I I like Robert Jones. Um, I, I think he's a guy out of Middle Tennessee State he's a, an offensive lineman um, a big physical guy and um, you know what I really like there you know he's going to um, you know I believe he's going to, to Miami and um, you know what when I, when I look at Robert Jones he's a big physical dude um, you know surprised that he didn't get drafted when it, you know to be perfectly honest with you when you look at Robert Jones um, what you have is the six4 307 um, and uh, look, you know, they've got Solomon Kinley, they've got, uh, you know, Michael Dieter at the left guard spot, um, but I think ultimately what you're going to have is, is Robert Hunt kick inside to guard uh, with Eichenberg and, and Austin Jackson. I think Robert Jones is going to make the roster, uh, but I think ultimately he's going to be a starter somewhere else. You know, I, I think he has starter capability. Um, you know, and when you look at the defensive side of the football, obviously the defensive tackle, uh, Marvin Wilson, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him. He's going to Cleveland, and I think that that's probably the right spot for him. This is a guy who I think is really underachieved. He was the guy that everyone was saying was going to be a, a surefire first round pick coming out. Really struggled uh, the last season, season and a half. But when I look at this team, you know, you've got Jordan Elliott, you've got Andrew Billings, Link Jackson, Tommy Togiai, Sheldon Day. Not a lot of guys that you look at that say, "All right, we've really you know solidified a roster spot and, and really confident about that defensive tackle position." I think Elliott, you know, has some athleticism. I think Billings can be the powerful guy there, um, you know, really at the nose. Um, Jackson's getting up there in age a little bit. Sheldon Day's been inconsistent. Um, Tommy Togiai, really just kind of a steady Eddie type of a guy. Marvin Wilson has that explosiveness and get off the ball. But unfortunately, for, for him, he's just a guy that's just been so um, just underachieving. You know his motor runs hot and cold. If this team, this offense, this defense, the veterans can get, can motivate him, you could potentially have a steal. The Raiders really needed a, a guy on the interior, somebody along that uh, you know, on the inside to really get after the quarterback. Uh, get a push up front. They've got Jonathan Hankins. They picked up uh, Quentin Jefferson there, Solomon Thomas as well. Uh, But I'm going to give you a name, um, Darius Stills out of West Virginia. And what I love about Stills, he and his brother Dante um, just seem to just wreak havoc in uh, opposing big uh, backfields. And the thing with it was was he beat you with pad level and strength coming off the football in that, that explosive first step six and 285 not the biggest guy by any means but look 23 tackles for loss 10 and a half sacks like i said you know that first step quickness he would often you know redirect running backs you know he would get so you get in the backfield so quick that you know he would blow up run plays because he was getting back there so even though he wasn't making the tackle he still made the play he and his brother it just seemed like they were always shooting gaps always getting into the backfield and, and you know, that pad level, um, you know, and that first step, and then the power, you know, it's something that really speaks to you, and it's something that really jumps off. And he's a guy to me that I'm really pulling for because I think he can make a lot of plays there at the next level. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. So, those are my guys. The guy, my favorite players in this 2021 draft class. What do you think? we call it the all shoots team i mean it sounds really kind of boring sounds kind of generic doesn't really pop um you know Greg's gamers uh shoots the showcase i kind of like shoots the showcase you know those are the guys that i'm really showcasing the guys that i think are going to end up bowling out at the next level at some point guys that are going to make an impact and look we know that i'm not going to hit a home run on every single pick but there are a lot of guys here that i feel pretty confident will make an impact at the next level so I think we can really put this podcast to bed and really tie a bow on that 2021 draft class and really focus on the 2022 draft. Obviously, we have the college football season coming up here pretty soon 2021 season uh, a lot to get to Um, and here we are we're just in July so we haven't actually made it to the college football season yet but we need to get ready for the season who are we going to be talking about we're going to break down all of the positions and then we'll also take a look at the top players by conference i really get you familiar with these players. Guys, you really have to start looking for as we get ready for the 2021 college football season. So we'll start with the quarterbacks first. And obviously, Sam Howell's the quarterback that everyone's been talking about. But Spencer Rattler out of OU, man, this kid is good. And he's a guy to keep an eye out for. I think he could end up being yet another OU quarterback taken number one overall. It, it, It could very well happen. If he has another big year there for the Sooners, like everyone's expecting, you know, but who's going to be the Zach Wilson? Who's going to be the guy that rises, uh, you know, kind of comes out of nowhere? How about Carson Strong out of Nevada? Big, strong-armed kid, completed over seventy percent of his passes. You know, is it Malik Wilson uh, Willis coming out of uh, Liberty? Hadn't started a game since high school in 2016. Transferred from Arkansas, I'm sorry, from Auburn, goes to Liberty and leads the Flames to a tremendous year there under Hugh Freeze. Want to see him continue to take the next step as a passer, already a tremendous athlete in the running game. He's another guy to watch out for. Then you have the veteran, Desmond Ritter. They're out of Cincinnati. You know, he led the Bearcats. You know, and now he's got you know Alec Pierce, he's got Josh Wiley as tight end. Luke Fickle has a really solid offense. He's got a couple of a couple of dogs there in, in his secondary as well. So Cincinnati, I think they're going to be another formidable team coming out of the American. And then uh, there's Keaton Slovis coming out of SC. What are we going to see? The the redshirt freshman who, who stepped in for an injured Dayt Daniels, or are we going to see the 2020 version where really? You know, Graham Harrell refused to attack the middle of, of the field, and really, Keaton Slovis was forced to try to be patient. But ultimately, he would panic and try to force things, and made a lot of bad decisions. So, you know, his draft stock, you know, it's really on on shaky terms right now. You know, you've got Matt Corral, the athlete, there in Lane Kiffin's offense. You know, he's going to be putting on a show there. Um, you know, so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, there, there are going to be a lot of guys, a lot of quarterbacks that we'll be talking about. Phil Dracovic reminds you a lot of Ben Roethlisberger uh, there at Boston College. So, a lot to get to. We'll be covering that here coming up in the next few days. Um, so, hopefully you'll tune in for that. And tune in for all of the 2022 podcast series. We're going to be breaking down all the players, taking a look at what impact they may have at the next level. So, for now, we'll go ahead and call it a wrap. But, Stay tuned. Come back again next week. And we'll do it all over again. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. I am out of here.